0: 2,500 years ago, the nation of Judah was taken into captivity by the Babylonians. Babylon was the world's dominant empire and system. God's people spent 70 long years far from home in Babylonian captivity. Just as the nation of Judah was taken into captivity 2,500 years ago, we, as God's people today, can find our hearts being taken captive by today's world system. But soon, This Babylon we are in will be gone, just like the one from 2,500 years ago. And if this is where our hearts are, if this is where all our hopes, dreams, plans, identity, and worth is found, then we have a problem. To give your life to the way of the Babylonians will be a catastrophic waste of your life. Our bodies might be in Babylon, but our hearts can be at home. Where is home, you ask? Our true home is not a place, it's a person. We were created to live with God, even better, to live in God, abide in me, dwell in me, live in me. That's what Jesus tells us to do. That was God's plan and purpose all along in creating mankind. For us to dwell with him in a personal, real, living and breathing relationship. And when God is our home and we dwell with him, dwell in him then and only then will our souls truly find the rest we long for there really is no place like home there really is no person like Jesus but we need to walk in wisdom because with every breath we take the powers of modern-day Babylon are seeking to lure us into captivity
1: kind of feel like I'm at the movies right captivity escaping Babylon and returning home over the last season uh, I have sensed that my heart has been lured into captivity Uh, I don't know if that would be true of you I think it is based on a lot of the conversations that I've had with some of you maybe maybe the way we should dive into this today is by me asking you a few questions so you can think about your own heart how would you describe Your relationship with Christ over the last number of months. Would you say that your relationship with Christ would be one that could be described by you have been engulfed with his presence? You've been living in that relationship with Christ in such a way that you have really just experienced his constant glory, the the fullness of his spirit in your life. Would you say that over the last several months your relationship with God has been So strong to the point that, as the old song says, the things of earth have grown strangely dim. That everything else has sort of just faded out and that God has been in the forefront of your heart and your mind. Would you say that in recent times, uh, God has been your closest confidant, your closest friend? Would you say that in this season that we've been in, that you have found yourself going to God over and over and over again to be your refuge, to, to be your... Uh, place of rest and peace and strength. It was interesting, before I preached this in the first hour today, before I even got in the room good, I got into a conversation with a guy, and he just began to confess to me how dry his soul had become in this recent season that we've been in. It's a hard season that we've been in. It's a hard season that we're in. It looks like we're going to be in a hard season for a long time. And he just began to describe just kind of how, how, how dark and discouraged his heart and his mind has become. And I said, brother, I'm with you. I'm right there. In fact, I think that's why the Holy Spirit has led me to preach this sermon series. Because I believe this is the word that, that I stand in need of. And, and I, I'm convinced today that I think this is the word that most of us in this place today stand in Need of If most of us were honest in this place today, we would probably say that the answers to those questions I just asked are mostly no. No, God has not been those things to me and it's not on God, that's on me. My relationship with God has not been like that and that's not on God, that's on me. I've allowed the things of the world to cause the face of Christ to grow strangely dim in my heart and in my mind. Now, here's one of the things that I think may help us as we walk through this. Let me put an image up on the screen here. We tend to think of our relationship with God like this God being the circle, the stick man being us. And and we've all kind of always thought in terms of the Christian life that I always want to be getting closer to God. I'm not real close to God, so I want to get closer. 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 And I hear what you're saying. But the Bible really doesn't describe that that's the way our relationship with God is supposed to be. That's really not the way our relationship with Christ is supposed to be. Let me show you the way the Bible describes the way our relationship with God is supposed to be. It's supposed to look more like that. Jesus says that we're supposed to abide in Him. We're supposed to dwell in Him. You may not even realize it yet, but the deepest longing of your heart is to have a relationship with Christ like that. The deepest longing of your heart and of your soul is that you would be abiding in and dwelling in Jesus. Listen, that is what we have been created to do. That was God's intent and that was God's purpose when He created us. Not to have us just merely live with Him, but to have us live in Him. That you and I would live lives where we are encircled by His presence. We are engulfed by his glory. And listen, I want to tell you today, what that man was telling me as I walked in today, that's what he's wanting. That's what he's needing. That's what your pastor's wanting. That's what your pastor is needing. I don't need in this day just to get a little closer to God. I need more than that. I need to be engulfed by his glory. I need to be encircled by his presence. We've got to move away from being people who merely think about, I want to know about God. I just want to know about Him. And we've got to move away from being people who are just trying to get a little bit closer. No. We, We want to know God and we want to abide in Him. We want to dwell in Him. We want to live in Him. People who know God like that. I mean, they really know God like that. They're abiding in Him. They're dwelling in Him. It seems that they are constantly, no matter what the circumstances are on the outside, it seems like they're always engulfed in His presence, always engulfed in His glory. They know God personally. They know Him. When they talk to Him, it's like they're talking to a friend. It's just real. They know God like their closest confidant, their closest friend. They know that he is their dwelling place. They've allowed him to encircle and engulf their entire lives. Great saints of God throughout the years. That's what they figured out. And it made all the difference. Let me me give you a couple examples. Psalm 90. Psalm 90 was actually written by Moses. Moses. You know, Moses was the man that God chose to lead God's people out of captivity, right? He knew a little something about getting out of captivity, didn't he? And he wrote in Psalm 90, verse 1, Lord, you have been our home from the beginning. God, you're our home. You're to be our dwelling place. We, 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 we live in you. Listen to what Paul said. Paul knew a little something about getting out of captivity, you talk about being in a dark place. When he was Saul, he was in that kind of place, right? He says this in Acts 17, 28. For in him, in him we live and move and exist. Paul didn't see him as living outside of God and just trying to get closer to God. He said, no, we live in him. We live in him and we move in him and we exist in him. Here's what Jesus says. John 14, 23. Jesus replied, all who love me will do what I say. My Father will love them, and we will, watch this, come and make our home with each of them. This is what God wants, is that we would find our home in him. One of our church members, Bob Cofield, he's writing a book right now. and He's honored me to allow me to be able to, to read it as he's been working on this. and He sent it back to me uh, a couple of months ago, maybe, at a time when my heart was to some degree in captivity. And as I began to read the rough draft, his manuscript, it just began to resonate in my heart that, man, this is, this is what I need. I, I, I need to hear this. And so I talked to Bob, and I said, Bob, would you be open to allowing me to draw from your book and c- kind of develop a, a sermon series around it? Because if I need to hear this so much. I think maybe the rest of us need to hear that too. And Bob graciously agreed to that. And I want you to listen to this quote from from Bob's book. He says, quote, I invite you to imagine the possibilities of finding a greater meaning and purpose in daily life and knowing more intimately our creator as comforter, counselor, and refuge. He says, imagine if it all turns out to be true. What if it is possible to abide in, to dwell in Christ? What would you stand to gain? And what could you finally put away from your life? Fear? Guilt? Shame? Anxiety? Loneliness? Man, that resonated with me. And I began to realize, you know, I think for me and for a lot of believers... We allow for a big part of our lives our hearts to live as if they're homeless. We allow our hearts to just live out on the cold streets of this world, hoping against hope that somebody's gonna come by. Somebody or something is gonna flip something into the tin cup that our heart's holding out in this cold world. We build houses for our bodies. But we don't give a whole lot of thought to where our heart is supposed to live. Where our hearts are supposed to dwell. Listen, it is not the plan of God that our hearts just drift out in the world. That's not the plan of God. That's not the desire of God that our hearts would live in such a way that they seem to be homeless. Listen, no wonder there's so many cold-hearted people in the world, right? And not just in the world, but in the church. Among so-called Christ followers, there are certainly a whole lot of cold-hearted people. Maybe this is why. And here's the deal, it doesn't have to be that way. It doesn't have to be like that. God wants you to move your heart in from out of the cold and into Him. For your heart to find its home, for your heart to find its dwelling place, not just with Him, but in Him. That little word in may be the most important word. Jesus says in John 15, and I preached this passage a couple of years ago as we were working through the book of John. He says, abide, not with me. What's he say? Abide in me. And I abide in you. And then you will bear much fruit. I've said this in this season. I've heard other people say this. I feel like we're working harder right now than we have ever worked before with less fruit to show for it. And then I came to this realization. You know why there's less fruit in my life? It's not because the circumstances have become so hard. It's because I'm not abiding in Christ. I've put my heart out on the street. I've become consumed with what's happening in the world, what's happening on the street. And so my heart has gotten caught up in all of that. No wonder there's so much fruitlessness among the people of God right now. No wonder there's so much fruitlessness in the church of God right now. And if there's ever been a time in the world that the body of Christ throughout the world ought to be bearing the fruit of the Spirit of God, it is now. But that fruit will not be borne out in our lives if our hearts remain homeless, if our hearts remain detached from God. That's not the way we are to live. Listen, I want you to know good news today. God's got plenty of room for you. Plenty of room for you to come in and make your place in him. There's a seat at his table for you. He wants you to live in him, and some of you never have. I'm not saying that to insult anybody. Maybe you've never heard this, you've never been taught this, but you've lived your whole life thinking, well, there's God and there's me, and I'm just constantly trying to get closer. And this whole idea of living in him, dwelling in him, being engulfed and encircled by him, that's like a whole new paradigm shift today. Now, why does God want that for you? Well, one, because he's your creator. That's the divine plan for your life. God didn't create you just so you could live in the same universe as him. He created you so you would live in him, in that intimacy with him. But more than that, Jesus came, his perfect son, gave his life on the cross that God would not only be your creator but that he would be your heavenly father your abba daddy and you were created to live in him you got to get that you were created to live in god and if your heart this morning is not in god your heart's in a dangerous place most of us in this room are old enough to know because we've allowed our hearts at different times in our life to get into dangerous places. Because we made our hearts home in another place. We found refuge for our heart somewhere else. And apart from refuge in God, apart from our hearts being at home with God, our hearts are in a dangerous place. Only God himself can protect your heart. Only God himself and guard your heart that's in part why he says i want you to dwell in me your heart's the most valuable thing about you and i want to cover it up with my presence and with my glory think about that god wants to be your home your home he wants to be your address god wants to be where you dwell think about that your home home is where you're really real right Home is where you don't have to feel pressure to look a certain way. Home is where you don't have to feel the pressure to do a certain thing, right? It's the real you. Home is where you clip your toenails. And by the way, we're thankful you don't do that while I'm preaching. I mean, you know, just throwing your foot up on the chair in front of you and going to... No, no, that happens at home, right? Home is where you walk around with the towel on your head, right? I haven't seen any lady walk in here with a towel wrapped around her head. I had not seen that happen. But you do that at home. Home is where you get up 10.30 at night and you grab the Lucky Charms and the biggest bowl you can find. And you eat Lucky Charms at 10.30 at night with milk dribbling down your chin. Amen. Bless God. That's home, ain't it? That's what it's about. Home is where you know how to walk around in the dark. I was out of town at a hunting camp this weekend with one of our church members. I go there about once a year. About one night out of 365, I'm there. That is not enough to call it home. And I knew when I got up in the middle of the night to find the bathroom, it was going to be a dangerous thing. The light switch was on the other side of the wall. And it's a hunting camp, ladies, all right? Men know what I'm talking about. There's all kinds of stuff in there. And I, I am tiptoeing, and I, I mean, I almost wet myself before I got to the bathroom. It took so long to get to the bathroom because that's not my home. I don't know how to walk around in the dark. But at home, I'm up and gone, back in the bed and back to sleep because I know at home it's familiar to me. Home is where you know where the junk drawers are. I can come to your house, and I don't know where the junk drawers are. But at my house, I know where the junk drawers are, and I know how to navigate the junk drawers, right? That's home. Spend all day using Google Maps trying to navigate this world. But when I get home, I don't need a map. Home is where it's familiar. Home is where it's comfortable. Home is where it's warm. Home is where you find comfort and rest and nourishment. That's home. And the Bible's clear. Listen to this. The Bible and Jesus are clear. God wants to be that to you. He wants to be where you are the most real. He wants to be where you are most comfortable, safe, warm, nourished. He doesn't want you to feel like you have to perform for him. He doesn't want you to feel like you have to put on a show for him. You can wrap your towel around your hair. You can clip your toenails. You can bring all your junk into that house. He wants your heart, all of it, the good and the not so good. He wants to be your home. He wants to be your dwelling place. He wants to be more than the blanket That you used as a kid to make a fort in the living room on a Sunday afternoon. He wants to be more than that temporary place where you have a little fun from time to time. God wants to be more than your hunting camp. He wants to be more than the vacation spot. He wants to be your home. He wants to be where you live and abide. Now, when I use language like that, some of you may say, yeah, but home for me has never been like that, or home for me right now has never been like that. I hear what you're saying. That's true in this broken, fallen world oftentimes, but God is not a home like that. When you make your home in God, when you live in Him, you dwell in Him, you're going to know the peace of God. He's nothing but good, and he's nothing but kind, and he's nothing but faithful, and he's full of mercy and grace. And by the way, God's home has never been breached. God's home has never been broken into. God's home has never been burned down. You're looking for refuge. You're looking for a place of peace, a place of safety, a place of comfort, a place to have your sanity recovered. It is in God. David said to God, you are my rock and my fortress. When I am in you, there is nothing that can get to me. When you live in God, you come to realize there really is no difference between Sunday and Monday. When you live in God, you come to realize there is really no difference between the cubicle and the sanctuary. When you live in God, you come to realize there is no difference to Him between changing that dirty diaper in the middle of the night and an entire nation changing presidents. He's God. And you know that when you're living and dwelling in him. When you live in him, listen, this is when you come fully alive. Some of you grew up, you heard Jesus say, John 10, 10, I came that you might have life and have it abundant and have it to the full. And a lot of Christians walking around going, when does that happen? When does the abundant, full life happen? Let me tell you, it doesn't happen when you're the stick man outside the circle. Jesus did not come and die to merely allow you to live in the same universe with God. He did not come and die for you to merely live in the same hemisphere with God. He did not come and die for you to live in the same neighborhood with God. He did not come and die for you to live in the cul-de-sac with God. Jesus came and died on the cross that you might not just live with him, but that you might live in him. That's why. And when you do that... When you are encircled and engulfed by his glory and by his presence and he is your dwelling, nothing about life is mundane anymore. Everything suddenly has God-sized purpose. God-backed intentions. Every moment, every person, every opportunity, it looks totally different when you're in God, looking out through His living room window. See, the problem is, most of us have been on the outside, surrounded and encompassed by everything going on in this world, trying to get a peek of God through the window. What are you doing peeking through the window? i got four children. They have not been invited, as my children, to peek through my windows. Their backside is supposed to be on the inside of my windows. I built that place to protect them and to provide for them. And I put that house where I put it because I want them to look out the window and see the scenery and see the world. Jesus died to bring you in, not to keep you out. David, the man after God's own heart, write this address down, Psalm 27, 4 and 5. David said this, I'm asking for one thing, only one thing. This comes out of the message translation, by the way. Sometimes I like to read this in my devotions. I'm asking God for one thing. It's not a translation, it's a paraphrase. Somebody's going to call me on the technicality, okay? I'm with you. I'm asking God for one thing, only one thing, to live with Him in His house. My whole life long, I'll contemplate his beauty. I'll study at his feet. That's the only quiet, secure place in a noisy world. The perfect getaway, far from the buzz of traffic. Isn't it funny, life really hadn't changed since David's day. God is the only quiet, secure place in a noisy world. Now, what's what's David describing? Is David describing a physical place, a physical building? Is David saying, I want to isolate from the rest of the world. I don't want to deal with people. I want to go into the temple. I want to go into that room. And I want to just live out my days there. No, no, that's not what he's saying. David understands his responsibility as king, as father, as husband, as all these things. But what he's saying is, in the middle of all this stuff, God, I want to live in you. You're not a building. You're a person. And there's one thing I'm asking, God. I just want to live in you. I want to be Engulfed by you. I'm gonna be encircled by you. I just want to do nothing but behold your beauty. It doesn't mean that he doesn't see what's happening in the world beyond, but he sees it through the lens of the character of God. He sees it through the windows of God's house. And when you're seeing from the inside out, God's character. His faithfulness, His goodness is the filter through which you see everything else. What we've done is we've been on the outside, and the circumstances of our world have been the filter through which we're looking back at God. Are you with me? Does this explain what's been going wrong in our hearts? Jesus didn't die for you to look from the outside in. He died to bring you inside. David says, I want to live In the presence of God. Now you might be thinking, Joel, that's easy for King David to say. He's King David. That's not practical in my life. In fact, some of you might say, Joel, listen, I live in the real world and and it's not practical for me. For you, maybe, preacher, because you don't live in the real world, preacher. We pay you to pray, we pay you to read the Bible, we pay you to worship God. Well, well, let me say a couple things. First of all, I assure you, I live in the real world. In fact, my world sometimes is way more real than your world. But I'll also tell you this. There's nobody in this room today that is stuck in the real world. If you're going around saying, yeah, I... Because of who I am and my life and my responsibilities, it's just not practical for me to have a relationship with God like that because I'm just stuck in the real world. No, you're an excuse maker, a lazy excuse maker who really needs to check out whether or not you know Jesus. Because if you really know Jesus, everything I'm saying to you right now is resonating with you. There is the Spirit of God inside of you that's going, hey, the door is open. What are you waiting on? He died. He died. To bring us in. Listen, it doesn't matter. You're not stuck. You're one step away from dwelling in him. It doesn't matter right now where you are. It doesn't matter where you've been. It doesn't matter how long you've been on the outside looking in. It doesn't matter if you've never crossed that threshold into this kind of relationship with God before. None of that Matters. You are one choice, one decision today from an encircling, engulfing relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ. And here's the deal. You don't have to change your physical location. You don't have to move. You don't have to go on a sabbatical. You don't have to take a break. You don't have to take a vacation. You don't have to change your physical location. You only got to change your mental attention. Stop looking At everything going on outside the house and gaze upon the one who is your house, who is your home, who is your dwelling place. Paul said it like this, take every thought captive. Every thought needs to be told, ah, God's here, God's here. And he's bigger than this and he's greater than this and he's not moving and he encircles me and he engulfs me and there is nothing I can do. There's nowhere I can go that he is not. He is everywhere. This is what David writes in Psalm 139 because we got to come to realize, listen, he's the great I am. He's the God of the present tense. He's the not the great I was. He's the not great I will be he's the great I am I am I don't care what's happening in this beat of your heart he is there and you can't change that and he's not going anywhere you don't scare him you don't threaten him you don't nauseate him so much that he's going to leave you or abandon you as a child of God he said I never will leave you I'll never forsake you you mess up you sin you confess it I'm just I'm faithful I'm going to forgive you and I'm going to cleanse you you'll be righteous again in my sight That's who he is. Here's what the psalmist writes. David said, Psalm 139, I can never escape from your spirit. I can never get away from your presence. If I go up to heaven, you're there. If I go down to the grave, you're there. If I ride the wings of the morning, if I dwell in the farthest oceans, even there, your hand will guide. me. You know what he's saying? I am in this circle. I am aware that no matter where I am, he is there. I'm aware constantly of his presence, of his glory, of his power Even there, your hand will guide me. Even your strength will support me. I could ask the darkness to hide me and the light around me to become night. But even in darkness, I cannot hide from you. You're there to you. The night shines as bright as day. Darkness and light are the same to you. Listen, God is always present. And he's always desiring for you to dwell in him. But listen, you got to know this today. For you to live in him, there's one qualification. You know, we, we built a house a couple years ago. We love it. God blessed us with that. But we had to be qualified to be able to do that. If you've ever bought a house, you know that. Your realtor probably said to you, or your lender might have said to you, Well, it would really be good for you to go out house hunting is go ahead and get pre-qualified, right? Well, we are not qualified to live in God. Because the qualification to live in God is righteousness, perfection, sinlessness. And here's the problem with mankind. The Bible says none of us are righteous, we're all sinners that have fallen short of the glory of God. We are all disqualified to live in God. But here's the good news. God, soul of the world, that He gave His only Son, Jesus, the only Son of God, came and He died on the cross to take our sin away. Why? To qualify us. We could do nothing to qualify ourselves for this dwelling. But Jesus qualified for us through His death on the cross. He took our sins and our sorrows and He made them His very own. He bore the burden to Calvary to save us, to rescue us, to redeem us. Not so we simply live in the universe with God or in the neighborhood with God. He took our sins and our sorrows and he made them his very own so that we would live in God. These are words of awakening, church. These are words of revival, church. I just believe God is about to birth something in our hearts in this season. I believe that. When you trust Christ to save you by grace alone, through faith alone in Christ, you are then qualified. You meet the qualifications by grace to come in and abide in him. Revelation 3. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. All right? If you hear my voice, I'll come in and I'll abide with you and you'll abide with me. That's what he wants. Abiding, dwelling, living in. And when we receive the Lord's Supper in a moment, that's what we're doing. We're remembering and we're celebrating that Jesus, his body was broken and his blood was shed so that we could dwell with God, so that we could be with God. And as we receive the Lord's Supper at the same time, we're also examining our own hearts. Does my heart right now, does it reflect what Christ has done for me? Where is my heart? Is it out here in the cold with the tin cup going, Come on, world, give me some satisfaction, world. Drop a little something in my tin cup, world. Come on, somebody. Come on. Come on, job. Come on, retirement. Come on, social media. Make me happy. Make me popular. Make me feel affirmed. Come on, drop something in the tin cup. Ain't you got something? Guy came up to my window yesterday. I Gave him a couple dollars. I don't always do that, but I just felt inclined to do that. That's when God just sort of reminded me, "Uh uh-huh. Why are you out there in the world with a sign up going, this stinks. I'm not happy. I'm frustrated. I'm angry. I'm bitter. Why why are you talking that way? Why are you posting that? Why is that on your social media? Why are you acting like that? God's going, get your butt in the house. You're my son. You're my daughter. Your heart is not homeless. The door is open. The light is on. Why are you looking at me through the lens of everything that's going on out there when you're supposed to be looking at everything going out there through the lens of me? So the Lord's Supper is an opportunity for us to examine our own hearts and say, where is my heart today? To be real about that, and to be honest about that. He didn't die so we could simply get a little closer to God. He died so that we could be engulfed and encircled by his presence, by his glory, by his power, so that he would be our shelter and our refuge and our residence and our address and our home. And the question before us right now is, is he? I think most of us would say, and not only that, but most of us would say, no, no. He's not. I'm just close enough to him that I feel okay. That I feel like I'm not as bad as the rest of the world, and I'm just gonna kind of lay here in this gray area. Jesus didn't die for you to live in the front yard. He didn't die for you to have a sleeping bag on the porch. He wants to bring you in. He wants you to live and dwell in. And abide in Him. And I think a lot of us would say, I want that, Pastor. I want that. I want my life to be engulfed by this. What you're saying to me today is resonating. I know that's what's wrong with me. Why is it so hard to do that? I'll tell you why. And this is where we're going to be in this series for a while. There's an old German monk named Martin Luther, and he said, Though this world with devils filled should threaten to undo us. There's three main what you might call devils or enemies that we have. That are always luring us away from home. And taking us into captivity. First of all is Satan himself. He's always at work. To lead us away from dwelling in Christ and to take our hearts into captivity. Anybody want to testify? Mm-hmm. Well, we can't blame it all on the devil, can we? Because there's another big enemy that lives inside of me. It's my flesh. My old sin nature. When Christ died to save me, that's not gone yet. It's going to be gone one day, but it's not gone yet. Right now inside of me there's a new nature and a sin nature. They're battling like this all the time. And unfortunately I allow the flesh sometimes to win the day. And my flesh does what the devil does, luring me away from home, from dwelling in Christ, and taking me into captivity. There's a third enemy, and that's this broken, fallen, sinful world. There is a real power that is at work in this world that is in opposition to God. And because we live in this world, the power of this world is constantly luring us away from God, from dwelling in Christ, to take us into captivity. This is why it's so hard to live the kind of life that I'm talking about here today. Because we're constantly being drawn away from our fortress, our rock, our shelter, our dwelling place from home, constantly being drawn into captivity, where in captivity we are engulfed and encircled by distractions, and by darkness, and by discouragement, and by despair, and by depression. And by division. So that once those enemies have taken us into captivity and circled us with all that stuff. That begins to be all that we see. That's where we've been in recent days. All we've been seeing are the distractions. The discouragement. The darkness. The despair. The division. We've been lured out. Into captivity and all that is all we seem to think about. And they'll continue. These devils are going to continue to convince us. This is your life. This is how it is. You live in a place of darkness and distractions and despair and division. So get used to it. Get comfy because this is home. And I'm telling you today, that's a lie. That ain't home. I'm telling you today, and we need to tell all those devils today, we're on to you, and we're walking out on you today. We know the padlock on the door is busted. When Jesus busted out of the grave, he busted that padlock, and you cannot keep us in captivity. The door to our home is open, and the path is straight because of what Jesus did through the cross and through his resurrection. And I'm walking out today. I'm turning my back. I'm repenting, and I'm going home. That's the truth of the day. This is what we're going to preach about for a while because it's what the pastor needs. If you need something else, I'll be done in a couple of months. Maybe I'll get to you. I'm going to work on me for a while. and I hope you'll stick with me through this for a little bit.